The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Now, as we often hear on this programme, the road to success can be long and winding with many bumps and obstacles along the way. We're joined now by a man who is a big believer that people can blossom at any point in their lives and they don't have to show any kind of talent at all as youngsters. Professor Adam Grant, who has advised the likes of Bill Gates and Serena Williams, has advice for parents who may be despairing about their children only applying themselves to TikTok. Adam, you say the research backs up your view that people can make great progress without showing early promise. What do you mean? Well, I think the evidence here is really fascinating. It turns out that you can't predict where people will land from where they start. There's a classic study of world-class athletes, artists, musicians, and scientists. If you look at where they were early on, their first coaches and teachers had no idea how great they were going to become. They typically didn't stand out nationally or locally, they often weren't even the best kid in their school or in their own family. And even their own parents didn't anticipate how good they could get. I think what this evidence tells us is that many people have hidden potential, that that there's a capacity for growth that we have that's invisible to us and the people around us. And it's not natural talent that ultimately determines how far we go. It's typically motivation and opportunity. So let's say, for example, You've got a kid and that kid is not good at maths. They're, they're pretty bad at maths. Does that mean that they'll never be brilliant at maths? They, will, they may be to come to a point where they're okay or average at maths. What, what does it mean? What, how, what would you interpret from it? Not necessarily. I, w- I wouldn't read too much into it. The, 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 I actually have a friend who, uh, who was terrible at math. His name is DJ Pottle. He got D's in math in high school, uh, which you know is, is the lowest possible passing grade here in the U.S. And then he went on to get a Ph.D. in math and become the uh, chief data science officer for the United States working in the White House. And he had an initial block. He really struggled with it. And over time, he, he found that he was able to make sense of it. And I think the lesson from stories like DJs, which are very common, is sometimes when when a skill is difficult for you to pick up, it's not a sign that you lack ability. It's a sign that you're going to have to work extra hard to master it. And once you get to master it, you're actually going to understand it better than the people who did it naturally. But in order to work very hard at it or or at anything, whether it's a kid uh, who wants to be a bit better at a sport or maybe their parents want them to be better at a sport or at maths or at something else, when, when... when they have that experience of struggling with it, it's very often the parents who are the ones who push that you're going to have to work harder. And that can often backfire. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a tightrope walk for parents. I think we want to strike a balance between you know, encouraging kids to try again, but also helping to nurture their intrinsic motivation so that they're, you know, they're working in an area that they have some interest in. Uh, and I, I don't think that's always easy. It's it's extremely difficult to to motivate children. What's much more effective is helping them find their own motivation. And psychologists have developed a, a technique for doing this. They call it motivational interviewing. And the idea is is to say, look, if I'm trying to get my kid to to care about a, a task or to work harder at a project, um, I I can't force them to want it. The best thing I can do is approach them like an interviewer, and say, I don't actually know what would motivate them but I'm really eager to find out. 
So one of the, one of the ways this this plays out in practice is you, know, you sit down with your kid and you say, okay, when it comes to studying math, zero to ten, how motivated are you? And they might say two, and then you can you can say, oh, that's interesting. I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say zero. Why isn't it lower? And they'll say, well, there you know there are things worse and. You know, every once in a while, I, I get a little bit of satisfaction from being able to solve a problem. And then as they explain what they find motivating about the task, you can guide them to to try to build on that motivation. Sounds and, like you're kind of psychologically working on them there, Adam. Well, you know, I, I would want to be really transparent and say, look, you know, obviously, I would love it if you worked harder at this. That doesn't seem to be a top priority for you. So I just wanted to understand where you're coming from. If grit is an important part of this, how do you instill grit in a kid? Oh, that's a good question. I think the best evidence I'm familiar with is that it's helpful to actually praise effort, not just results. So when kids get encouragement for the hard work that they put in, uh, they start to feel like just, just trying hard is going to get rewarded. And over time, that means that, that every time they push themselves a little bit, uh, they get a little jolt of of joy and progress, which then reinforces effort the next time. What about the very notion of success? People use the word as equivalent to fulfillment or happiness. I've known lots of people who, by many benchmarks in terms of their career or achievements, have been hugely successful, and they're miserable. And not only are they miserable, they can even pass on some of that unhappiness <laughs> onto the next generation. And yet they are huge achievers by what society says is a measure of success. Yeah, I, I think that success doesn't breed happiness nearly as, as often as we would like. And if you look at the data on why, one of the things we know is that when people achieve success, they frequently discover that their goals weren't their own. So they were pursuing you know, wealth or promotions or fame because they wanted to impress other people, uh, not because they were necessarily aligned with their own values. And success is, is not particularly enjoyable if, if the target you reach is actually not one that you care about personally. Do you think then that people who achieve a lot have share certain things in common? Or what is that? One is being willing to embrace discomfort, to say, I'm not just going to limit myself to my strengths. I'm going to stretch beyond them so that I can I can overcome my Achilles heels uh, and work uh, work on my weaknesses, uh, knowing when to aim high and when to settle for acceptable. And this has really changed the way that I think about how to set goals. Uh, I used to think the the more difficult the goal, the better, because that was going to you know, to motivate me to work my hardest and and persist the longest. Um, it turns out that it's really helpful to have a high aspiration, also a modest expectation. And that allows you then to, to both uh, try to exceed your, your own current capabilities, uh, but also not ruminate and beat yourself up when you fall short of, of your high target. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Adam Grant, organizational psychologist and author of Hidden Potential, The Science of Achieving Greater Things. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me. 